Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this fucking episode. Jackie Peng flew in from San Francisco to be in studio with us. We met when she messaged me on Instagram and her story is absolutely wild. I kid you not, it was like listening to a movie right in front of my eyes. So sit back, grab a fucking drink, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter 6 yet. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Seriously, you guys, I was so blown away recording this episode. It was shocking. It was devastating. It was inspiring. And it almost didn't seem real. Uh, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. And more so, I am so proud of Jackie for speaking her truth, sharing her story. She is an Asian American woman. And in her culture, that is not always something that is supported. And the way she has persevered through the bullshit that life has thrown at her is truly freaking inspiring. So we are going to get straight into this monster of an interview. Here we go. Miss Jackie, welcome to FML Talk. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, it's so good that you're here. We connected via Instagram and I started hearing about your story and you flew to me from San Francisco um, to be here in studio with me. So I'm so excited to get into all of this. I'm so excited to be here. Happy to be here. Yay. Um, so we both have gone through a divorce, yes. but they were for very different reasons. So kind of take me back to really your marriage before the divorce happened and what that was like for you. Well, you know, I met my ex-husband in Vegas where I was working and living. And when I met him, I met him at a club, very typical, classic Vegas thing. And we had a whirlwind romance of three months, absolutely crazy about each other. And then I moved to San Francisco because he asked me to. Ah. And we just started building a life together. And everything was as it should be. And we were almost like the perfect model couple. Mm. Everybody wanted to know what was our secret. How did, how were you guys, the way you met was just so, such a story, you know, that we wanted to, we wish we were in. Mm. And yet on the outside, everything seemed perfect. But on the inside, it really wasn't that perfect from family trauma to drinking issues, just, it was a lot. And, you know, 
being an Asian American woman, you start to get torn between your ideologies and what you want, and then you have to follow the Asian culture. Right. And then you're constantly torn between coexisting between those two worlds. And give the listeners kind of some examples of what following that Asian culture looks like as far as marriage. As far as marriage goes. Well, you are thrown into a large Asian family of sometimes 20 plus people. And I like to think of it as kind of the collective, which is the family, and the individual, which is you. Mm. And then you're constantly, once you're thrown into that, you have to basically say goodbye to the individual you. And now you're a part of the collective, Mm. which is the family. Interesting. And then everything is revolved around the family, from how you communicate, how obedient you are, how loyal you are, how you handle indiscretions, like if your husband or ex-husband had a drinking problem, Mm. things like that. How you handle yourself as a representative of that collective is the ultimate pressure Mm. of being in that marriage. Right. And if you're with an ex, if your ex-husband or husband wasn't supportive and understanding, which mine was not, mm-hmm. then it start, you start to feel very alone, very isolated. Yeah. You have no one to talk to and you can't even talk to your husband because he's not supporting you as an individual. He's supporting you as a part of the collective. Right. So it becomes very dark, very fast. Yeah, and very lonely. And very lonely. And you have to find a way to say, okay, I'm okay being a part of the collective if you're okay saying goodbye to the individual you, which I was not. No, I mean, I I wouldn't be either. That's that's kind of a devastating thought yeah. to me. I don't, and it's not something they ask you to do. It's just expected of you and you have to figure it out on your own. Right. You have to figure out that that's what they want. They'll never ask for it. Mm. They're like that. It's just a very expected thing and you should know better. And being raised in the States, you know, he's born and raised in San Francisco too. So I never thought that that would be an issue that I would have to succumb to such traditional methods mm. and ideologies and things like that in Asian culture. Right. You know, Do you think it was his family that was more specific to those needs or was it him? It was the family for sure, but he definitely followed along. Right. And he was willing to follow along because it's just, you grow up listening to your mom and your dad and your grandparents are all still around. So everyone has family dinner together. So it's like, it's a good thing, but it's not always a good thing when you're in a marriage and you're trying to build a family, you're two individuals coming together you have children and you want to be able to raise your family the way you want to raise them. Yeah. In your own way. And that's, I think that's one of the main reasons when people date and come together, they're like, okay, does, does your vision for your life and for your family match mine? Exactly. Yeah. I thought it matched perfectly. He was picture perfect. Great on paper. Right. Or so he presented himself. Or so he presented himself. (laughs) And I thought, man, I waited for the best one. Like I held out. I could have married a lot younger. I had a lot of people that were interested. Some proposals in my days and I turned them down Mm -hmm. because I was waiting for the one that I felt like 
oh, this is it. Yeah. Like every girl's waiting for that feeling. And I felt it when I met him. Mm. So three months, I was willing to say goodbye to Vegas. I was there for eight plus years. Say goodbye to my parents. Moved to San Francisco to start a life with him. And nine years and two kids later, I find myself alone in the city, very little money, no one to turn to, no friends, no family, no house. Really isolated. Very isolated. So when did you realize in the marriage that it wasn't fulfilling you and you weren't happy and something needed to be done? I felt unfulfilled after our sec- our, when I was having my second child. Mm. The first one was good. You know, you have your first baby. Everything's perfect, right? And then we had some issues with the drinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a woman, as a mother, you want to think, okay, well, maybe it'll get better. He's just hasn't grown out of his frat days. I literally told myself that because <laughs> he was in a fraternity in right. college. And it's just like, you know, it's a frat party all the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if he becomes a father, maybe he'll outgrow it. Right. And he'll move on from maybe that. Maybe that'll change. It'll change. Yeah. It changed a little bit, but not enough to be what I needed him to be. Mm-hmm. And then when I we thought about having the second one, I thought maybe not. Because, you know, at one point I thought it's easier with one than two. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with all that I had to deal with all the time. Right. And not getting along with my mother-in-law and things like that. Just all those things that people deal with when they have to deal with in-laws and things like that. But then, you know, it progressively got worse. And then, you know, I started, that's when I took up baking. Mm -hmm. I started baking, hence Divorce Baker. And Mm -hmm. I started making macarons. I even built a business around it. Yeah. Because it was easier to bake than to deal with, you know, everything I had to deal with. And it wasn't like he was very expressive or communicative. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to go to counseling. I begged him to go to counseling. Mm. He refused to go to counseling. Is there a stigma around therapy in yes. the Asian culture? They don't. It's it's admitting you have a problem. Right. I feel like that's it's not that's in every culture. I think, I think so there's too. a stigma around it. I think we're getting better as a society in normalizing that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's a problem in every culture. But, you know, I would think that it's less if we're going together as a, right. you know, a couple, yeah. couples therapy. Yeah. It's not like you individually have an issue that we right. have to deal with, even though he did. Right. Did um, you talk to him about the drinking? Or did oh. you bring up the fact that you were uncomfortable or felt it was a problem? Gabrielle, if I could mention every single drunken episode mm. in the hospital or... In the hospital? What do you mean in the hospital? Like one time he landed in the hospital. Oh, or he fell on curb and hit his chin or Oh wow. You so know, it was like a real It was real. Alcoholism. It was real. Yeah. If I could name how many times I got locked out of my house because oh my he God. deadbolted me out coming back from work. Oh my God. Yes, things like that. And nobody knows about that. I would yeah. never ever say anything to anybody. But we, he knew. Yeah. His parents knew. Mm. And then when it came to us separating they even denied that existed. Oh, Jackie's making that up. Oh my God. It's that kind of situation right? where they made it seem like I'm the crazy one or I'm the one making a big deal about nothing. He has a few drinks at dinner. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. 
Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. So I, you know, I started getting, you know, lonely and more isolated and just kind of focused on other things and just ignore the problem. I think like a lot of people do in marriages, they don't face it and tackle it head on. And then a year goes by, two years goes by, you have kids and you just end up stuck. Yeah. And I think that's with a lot of people and especially in Asian cultures, because you're stuck, isolated and silenced. And that's the hardest part is when you're silenced for so long, even after I was divorced, I didn't say anything for like five years almost. And that's a lot to carry. I mean, I've, I got through my divorce by talking about it and by sharing my story. So I can't imagine holding all of that in and feeling like it wasn't okay to speak my truth or share my story. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm wanting to do it now in the form of a podcast because Speaking, I thought about writing a book. You know, friends suggested maybe you should write a book about it. And every time I took pen to paper, nothing materialized. I wasn't able to form a single thought that I think anyone would understand on paper. But when I turned the mic on, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it just came out. Yeah, because you were, you needed to take your voice back. Yeah. I love that. So you decided to finally leave for a very different reason. I mean, I found out about (laughs) infidelity and second phones and a whole nother fucking life, but you had a very different experience. Can you talk me through that a little bit? Yes. Um, Mine wasn't infidelity. It wasn't abuse. It wasn't anything typical, but I think it's actually typical in Asian cultures. He basically was very dishonest and lied to me about the ownership of the home we were living in and paying for together. And I found out through my attorney I never asked to see the deed for all the years we were together. I just trusted him. That your name was on the deed? It wasn't that my name was on the deed because the house was gifted to him by his parents. Okay. The deed was transferred to him, but he purposely left me out of it. Got it. 
And I even say it in my podcast to let all the females out there know that if that's listed on there, that's what that means. Right. Yeah. Married man, single, separate property. Mm. That phrase changed my world. Yeah. And when I confronted him with it, he didn't explain, no apologies. He ended up just kicking me out of the house and said, you have no interest in this house. Please leave. Are you kidding? No. No. I. Okay. So you confront him about something that you have every right to confront him about. Mm-hmm. And instead of wanting to talk about it or work through it, he just kicks you out. Yes. And what about the kids? Well, he wanted full custody of them because he actually said you should just go back to Vegas. And like you were just some random yeah. chick he picked up on the streets of Vegas and you can just be discarded back to the city you came That's from. That's exactly what I said. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and sa- I said, I'm not leaving here without my kids. Yeah. So I deserve to be here as much as you do. And so I stayed. I fought. I got 50-50 custody. I fought hard. Good for you, girl. And I have 50-50 custody of my kids every other week. Oh my God. Okay. So you go through the process of a divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, What was that like for you? Because I felt shame in my divorce and that was, you know, when I found out so many lies and so much deceit and disrespect against my body and like infidelity. And I still felt shame. Yeah. Um, What was it like for you to have to, to, you know, know that his family and this collective now yes. knew what, what was that experience? It was even crazier than me finding out about the house. When he decided to kick me out of the house, he sent a mass text to the entire collective asking them to ignore Jackie's emails, texts, calls, do not respond to her in any way. And within 24 hours, I no longer existed. Okay, I'm just going to say it. It feels kind of cultish. A little bit. I mean, just the phrase, he sent a text to the entire collective. Yes. Like, it kind of makes my hair stand on end. Um, <laughs> that's wild. So yeah. not only did you were you so seemingly discarded from the man that you married, mm-hmm. now this whole extended family that you're just supposed to drop your own self to become a part of yes, doesn't even care to ask what happened, why are you okay, or give any type of shit about you. No. They God, never, that must have felt so lonely. It was devastating. Yeah. It was probably the hardest thing I ever went through, and the fact that I'm still here today and I'm able to talk about it, and if it helps any one person out there, Asian or not, I don't care. It, it, it's somewhat worth it yeah. to me because it's inevitable that I went through that because of who he is and what he had schemed, I right. feel. Right. It was inevitable what happened to me, but it doesn't have to happen to everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's such a, I remember when my dad passed, my mom was like, I don't know where so many of our finances lay. Um, when I went through my divorce, I found out that my husband was in $60,000 of debt. Oh, wow. And that all came to light in the discovery of our, you know, with our attorneys doing the discovery process in the divorce. And I had no idea 
because he flaunted money around like it was fine and it was never a thing. And it was $60,000 of debt that he had racked up on his affair. Wow. And it was so wild to me. On his affair? Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure not all of it, but a vast amount of it was, you know, jetting off to to Miami with her and, you know, like spending, going on shopping sprees with her. I, I'm sure not the entire $60,000, but a good portion of it. And I remember being like, how did I not know about this? How is it? So if anyone listening takes away anything, be involved with your finances, be involved with the paperwork of what goes on in your household, be involved so that you do not get fucked. That's what I wish I did. I wish I asked more questions. I wish I asked to see the deed. Yeah. The first year we were married. I wish I asked to even be on a utility bill. We didn't even have a joint account because he refused to open one with me. And Mm -hmm. when I think back, I almost was like, how could I let that happen? Right. How could I have just handed over all the power Mm. and not asked to see a single bill? Right. That was 100% my fault. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't, when you're in, when you're in it, you don't think that your partner that you've like made this lifelong commitment to is going to do that. No. It's almost like, okay, divvy up the the household stuff. You handle the bills. I handle this. It doesn't cross your mind to be like, how could I have handed over the power in that way? Looking back on it, I'm sure it feels that way. But I mean, I can, I'm sure there's a good chance if you would have asked, he would have given you some reason to not show you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so you leave your marriage, you leave the house. Um, Take me through what happens post being cut off from the collective. Cut off from the collective. I had to find a place to leave, live in 30 days. And renting in San Francisco is hard. Oh my God, and expensive. It's so (laughs) freaking expensive. So I honestly didn't know what to do because, you know, when you're getting a divorce, the money's on hold anything in the account, don't spend much of it. So I almost had nothing. And you had to have a place to live in order to fight for custody of the kids. Yeah. No house, no custody. Yeah. That's the thing. And I know that's what he was banking on. Right. That I couldn't find a house so he could get full custody. So the, the thing that saved me and I never thought that this would happen, but it did. His cousin wife passed away in 2016 and the end of 2016 and this all happened within four months so we had a death in the family and then my divorce and marriage falling apart happened he got that same text Mm -hmm. to ignore me and shut me out he was the only one in the entire family that said no Mm. not going to do that jackie's Part of the family that's your kid's mom, the mother of your kids. Good for fucking What him. the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Is what he said to himself. Oh my God. Out of all those people, one person. One person. Yeah. One person. And I knew his wife. We were really, really good friends. I was devastated when yeah. she got sick and died. So I was there for him in his time of need. He wasn't going to leave me in my time of need no matter what was going on. And he knew I did nothing wrong. So he was the only person that said no. So 
So he helped me find my house to rent. He went and looked for one for me, took me to go see it and said, if you need anything, let me know. And he did this all under the table. Nobody knew he was helping me. Nobody knew that he was the one that saved me from the hole that I was just shoved into. Yeah. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Yeah. So you find the house, you go through, what was the the court process like to try and get custody? Did you have to physically go to court and go to hearings and like be in the same room as your Yes. And that was very difficult because he's the type of person that acts like the villain and the victim. Oh, interesting. So he was the villain in all of this, yet he acts like a victim. Like I'm the one that left him. That's what everybody thinks. Mm-hmm. That's what the collective thinks. Right. I don't believe till this day they know the truth because anybody that knew the real truth, what kind of a human are you that right. would be okay with that? Right. His sisters and yeah, everybody. So they believed him when he said Jackie just wanted to leave. Mm. So that's the story that I plan to change. Yeah. That's not the truth. Yeah. Um, so seeing him in court was, you know infuriating I bet infuriating because you're playing the victim now yeah when you fucked me to the wall basically yeah and you're seeing and nobody knows about it you're seeing this person who's putting on this projected story that you know is absolute bullshit and you see people buying it yes oh it's so it's that's so frustrating it's most infuriating thing and the good thing about it is is when you have children and in the court system they don't want the kids without either parents. That's not the goal. And the courts really don't want to hear about your drama, unfortunately. Right. They just want to know, do the kids have a place to live? Are they is it going to be the same conditions as they're used to? Right. Will the you be able to the, the facts of the, the kids, matter? Yeah. yeah. Not who's the bad guy and like who fucked the marriage up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even though I was like, please just ask me one question. I would love to tell you. Right. Um so yeah, I got 50-50 custody, but since he wasn't able to take the kids away from me, he actually took me to court twice to reduce the child support. So that he didn't want to... He didn't want to pay me as much. So he took me to court once and then took me again to reduce it to now it's almost nothing. Oh, so he was granted that. Yeah, which was even more infuriating. He was able to say, okay, well, I'm not getting my bonuses this year. Because he made a shitload of money. Right. I'm not getting my bonus this year. And that's the sucky part too. Is as a parent with 50 custody, you have to come up with 50% of the money. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much necessarily he makes. You have to support your child too. So it can't be the days where you see women just sitting there collecting alimony and child support and not having to work. Mm -hmm. Those, that's not reality. Yeah. The courts make you work for it. So Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. Yeah, he was able to grant, and he paid me 50% less a year later. Wow. Yeah. And so are you still currently in 
San Francisco. Yes. So you guys co-parent yes. with with the kids. I is that difficult? Very. Yeah. Because again, he's the victim. Right. And the most infuriating part is not wanting to talk. Going back to the whole men don't share. Mm. He doesn't ever talk want to even talk about his mistakes because again, he didn't make any mistakes. Right. He always says, you chose divorce and you get the, cons- those, those are the consequences. Whatever oh you're getting God. is what you deserve. <sighs> that's, that's his answer to me. Oh, that's so infuriating. Yes. So that's what I deal with on a daily basis. Uh, okay. So talk to me about the relationship that came after and how that came about and got you through. That was even more unexpected than my divorce for me because I have known the person that I'm with as long as I've known my Mm ex-husband. You know, we used to hang out together and everything. And I, and he's even more a yes person than my ex-husband was to the collective, Mm. you know, never a hair out of place, never said no to anything, just did everything he was supposed to do. And the one time he decides to turn on the collective is for me. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And who is this person? His name is Jeff. His name is Jeff. Mm -hmm. And how do you know him? He's my ex-husband's cousin. Oh, my God, girl. (laughs) So... The one person that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. who said no to the text message. Yes. That is now your current partner. Pretty much the love of my life. Yeah. Oh my fucking God. Dude. <laughs> okay. So does the does the collective know that yes. you guys are together? Yes, we actually came out to them in 2019. Okay. It all started very late. You know, I got divorced in 2017. Oh, me too. Yeah. (laughs) Cheers to that. I know. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, took some time. He was around to make sure I was okay. And then in 2018, somewhere along the line, we kind of started having feelings. And we talked about those feelings and even talked about ignoring those feelings because the collective would not be okay with that. And I didn't want him to be in the middle of that. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of fear of him being ostracized. Yes. For the, I mean that, because especially, correct me if I'm wrong, in that culture, that's unheard of to divorce your husband and then go be with his cousin. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I mean, the tabest of the taboos. Biggest taboo. Yeah. Like big, big freaking tea. Yeah. You can't do that. And I didn't want him to be, to have that. Sure. Reputation or have that name on him. Yeah. And the consequences of and what that consequ- could bring. Yeah. So we talked about it and we said, you know, we shouldn't, even if we have feelings, maybe they'll go away. You know, we've just leaned on each other so much. Yeah. Um, with what he went through, what I went through. And he stopped talking to his cousin way before we told them. He kind of just shut him out for two years. So 
He when you say he stopped talking to his cousin, who are you referring to? My ex husband. Okay, got it. And he stopped talking to him because somewhere along the way they knew that he was still in contact with me. So mm. my ex husband was upset that he didn't listen, respect the respect text, respect the text. I mean, I cannot. <laughs> so it's he, so ridiculous. It is, isn't it? <laughs> you didn't respect the text. So he kind of already like shut him out in a way. Yeah. We talked about our feelings and we decided, okay, let's just take a month off. Let's just not hang out, not talk, and just see if the feelings are really real. Yeah. A month goes by, nothing changed. Nothing changed. We had dinner, we talked, and we decided, you know what? Let's just date for a while and see where this would even go before we say anything. Right, right. Like if it's worth if blowing up If it's worth our lives. blowing up everybody's <laughs> fucking life at yeah, this point. Yeah, So the end of summer 2018, we started hanging out more dating and you know all that and then 2019 he says I'm gonna tell him because he says he loves me mm. and he doesn't want to be with anyone else mm. no matter oh what God, the consequences it. are so he decided to tell his parents first and when the entire collective found out and my ex-mother-in-law is the queen of the collective, by the way. She's the leader of the I just, pack. It's so culty to me. I don't know. I can't, like, it's like making my <laughs> skin get all weird. Okay, okay. So when she found out. And they basically called him for a mass meeting at one of the houses, which actually does feel very cult, like now that I'm looking at you. And right. I say that. Right. It kind of does feel like that. Right. But, and so, I'm not saying that, like, that it's a, an Asian culture thing that feels culty. I'm not saying that at all. No. I'm just saying that it's the fact that there's an entity and that everybody, you know, has to kind of like mold into that. Yeah. That idea to me feels that way. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. He was called to a meeting and said, we want to talk to you. He went. Things were said, you know, my ex didn't say much. He just basically said, if there's a Jackie and a Jeff, then there's no, there's no family. So they gave him an ultimatum. Either you choose your relationship with Jackie or you come back to the family. Oof. And you had to decide right now, like right then. And there's there. roughly how many people at this weird meeting? <laughs> <laughs> like 15, 20 maybe. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it's Sis like out of a movie. Sisters. That's what I said. I, my it doesn't feel are, real. My sis, my friends are like, this is kind of crazy rich Asian vibes, but right. then kind of maybe a modern Joy Luck Club. I'm not oh sure. My God. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So he's yeah. sitting there and they've given him this ultimatum. And let me set the scene. It's like everybody. And then he's on a stool looking at everybody. Like that's the scene. I can't. Yeah. I mean, are like, are they all in matching robes or <laughs> I what? I, I mean, come on. This is like out. This is wild. Okay. And they presented him with that ultimatum. And you must choose right now. He goes, I don't want to choose. I don't want to give up my family. I don't want to have to make this choice. Yeah. And they said, you have to because it's Jackie. You can't be with her. For many reasons other than the fact that's your cousin's ex-wife. Mm -hmm. Well, what are the many other reasons? Because she doesn't like me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the, this was the ex-mother-in-law yes. saying that. Got it. You can't be with her. So you have to choose. It's either your relationship with her 
or the family? And he said, if you're going to force me to choose, then I choose Jackie. And he got up and walked out. Yeah, he did. Yes. Oh, my God. Round of applause. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So did they hold true to that? Yeah. He hasn't hasn't attended a family event since then. He hasn't seen any of them since that day. That's so sad that that people would choose to boot out a a family member that they clearly love yeah or loved um because of that but that's what's very upsetting to me is people use the, however you feel about something you think your feeling about it is more important than anything else mm. how you feel about something you know a lot of times within the culture, they always say, oh, you shouldn't do this or this is wrong. It's like, just because you don't like something doesn't make it wrong. It yes. just means you don't like it. Yeah. It just means it's not your jam. It's not your jam. Yeah. And I get it's taboo. I We knew what we were getting into and we knew how they would feel. Right. I didn't think that they would really cast them aside like they cast me. Yeah. And he was very angry and upset for a very long time and not to say I I can't even imagine and not to say he's not upset anymore I mean we've definitely learned to move past it but the biggest upset is again how you feel for everybody is more important than me Mm. is how he sees it yeah like you don't have to agree with everything I choose to do in my life and this could be the biggest thing you don't agree with but to literally say you're not welcome here anymore yeah so has he spoken to any of them? No. Oh my God. No. I mean, to just lose an entire family in like the blink of a, a decision because you love someone. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't. I'm like so impressed with him. That's, I was, I am too. That's wildly romantic and devastating at the same time. And there's so many parts of it that I would love to share and, You'll hear about it on my podcast and yeah. maybe one day a book, hopefully. Um, but just the the way he handled it, you just don't see that much anymore. Right. I mean, he's he's my hero in every way. He saved me when I didn't think that anybody would. Yeah. And he's the only person that's ever stood up for me. And he's more of a husband. We're not married but he's more of a husband to me than my ex ever was. Wow. Wow, girl, what a fucking story. (laughs) Um, So now that you're, you have your podcast Mm -hmm. and you're speaking out about all these things, Mm -hmm. does your ex or any of the, I don't know why I want to laugh every time I say collective, (laughs) um, any of the collective know about it? Oh, yes. We actually had a recent upset. Okay. About it because my ex texts me a single message because he's not a man of many words. Mm -hmm. Um, He just texts me at one point. He said, your podcast is not helpful. Mm -hmm. Neither was your drinking or kicking me out of the house (laughs) or lying to my face for X amount of years. Very true. Right. And most recently, actually, um, Jeff's uh, family was asking him about the podcast and very upset that I'm doing it because I might be saying things about them or I might be revealing things and they don't like it. Well, and that's not 
handling your indiscretions in the appropriate way according to them. Exactly. But there was an episode on my podcast that I said very clearly, and it took me a very long time to figure this part out. But, you know, as angry as I was at them for just casting me aside and within 24 hours, Jackie no longer existed. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, they didn't really owe me anything. So what does that mean? I do not owe them anything either. I don't owe them the courtesy of being quiet or being discreet. And I do not owe them me not sharing what actually happened to me for the sake of you. Yeah. So I don't owe them anything either. And I think what it comes down to is that people need to remember that you own whatever has happened to you in this life. Mm -hmm. That is your story to choose to keep close to you or to tell. Yes. You know, I've had resurgences of um, my Mm ex-husband with really narcissistic text messages that are about, you know, it's so embarrassing that you're talking about all this and you've written book and, you know, your stupid videos and da-da-da. And it's like, okay, but how many fucking people has it helped? Yes. And that is my story and that's what happened to me and I own that. And that may piss you off and that may upset you and that may infuriate you. Yeah. That is not my problem. No. So I think it is amazing that you have chosen to tell your story in an authentic, personal way and that you've had the courage because I know in that culture that's so taboo to go and as they say it, air out your dirty laundry. Yes, yes. Um, So I think it's even more pressure on you to make that decision to do that. So it really speaks to who you are as a woman. Thank you. I just really wanted to also demystify the fact that all they care about is their image. And that really, really bothers me. Mm. I mean, they're immense, like, striving for the perception of perfection all the time. Mm. It's just not true. Yeah. And I don't think that people like myself should have to live up to that. Mm. Yeah. Because who the fuck is actually perfect? Exactly. I mean, what a life to try and be upholding that image 24 seven. That sounds exhausting. And it would be okay if it was my image that I'm upholding that's or if for it was me. something that you wanted to strive for. Yeah, but I'm doing it for your image. Right. That's not very fair. Yeah. Yeah. What have you really taken away from everything that you've been through now that you're able to speak about your story and that you've found the love of your life and that you've gotten out of that unhappy marriage? What have you really taken away to know that you like Like moving forward in life, I now know this without a doubt. I know that there's good people out there still. Mm. Even though a family that I love for a decade could cast me aside just like that because someone sent you a text message. I mean, a decade. A decade. A decade of you being a part of their lives, of their family, of their functions to just in 24 hours, you don't exist anymore. Yeah. That was the hardest part in the very beginning was to not be mad at every single one of them, not go bang down their door and just say, what the fuck is your problem? Right. You know, why don't I deserve five minutes of your time for you to just say, 
are you okay? You yeah. don't have a place to live. Do you have a place to live? Yeah. None. Of, I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything except Jeff. Yeah. Well, you really got the biggest thing. I got, I did. And I've learned a lot of things. Karma is fucking real. Yeah. I know that for a fact. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and you're, everyone's, you're stronger than you think. Mm. No matter how hard you got hit in the fucking face, which I did, the door slammed right, right in front of me. And nobody even felt sad that I got kicked out. That's the part that was even more infuriating is how nobody gasped when I got kicked out. It wasn't, oh my God, Jackie. It was, oh really? Hmm. Like that sucks. You must have done something. Yeah, that sucks. Mm. So I really learned that, you know, I'm a lot stronger. Everybody's a lot stronger. Just dig a little deeper. Yeah. I mean, look at all that you've accomplished. You took him to court. You got 50-50 custody of the kids. Mm -hmm. You're rebuilding your life in this beautiful way now with this man who literally fell on his fucking sword for you. Yes. I mean- you Talk just, about everything happens for a reason. Yes. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, one of my best friends, which was his wife, passed away? Nobody would have thought that would happen. And then right after, my marriage is falling apart and I'm getting divorced. And the only person willing to pick me up is the one that's still crying right. over here, mm-hmm. suffering because he lost someone that he has been with for over 20 years that was his high school sweetheart oh my god so we picked each other up off the floor basically but not in a way that we thought we would be together Mm -hmm. we did it because we cared about each other as people as humans as friends we've known each other for a decade yeah just don't do that and I think that's where the most beautiful relationships can blossom from when there's not a oh, I want to try and date this person at the get-go. It's I want to just be here as a human for this this person. Yeah. He just couldn't stand seeing me being treated that way. Yeah. So he just stood up, like anybody should stand up for anyone that you see being hurt, Yeah, being mistreated. Everybody should be sticking up for somebody. And that's what he did even if it meant he lost his entire family. I mean, we've had friends that just turned their backs. He's lost friends, family, everything. And after such a tragic death too, yeah. experience in your yeah. life. So he literally lost everything, just like me within, it seems like, no time at all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, I, I want to commend him for... <laughs> just really like living his life in an authentic way and you, you guys have both chosen you after time and time again, you know, because in that moment that he said, I'm not making a decision and I choose her and and leaving. Yes, he was choosing you, but he was really choosing himself. He was saying, I'm not going to subscribe to this and this isn't okay. That's one of the things he actually told us dad at one point is to say even if Jackie and I don't work out one day if we're not together I'm not going back to that family because that is not a family that I want to be a part of yeah so he goes it's not about Jackie anymore it's about you guys Mm. wow yeah oh girl there's there was so much power in this story I am so sorry for what you have endured but I am so proud of 
the way you have come through it all and the fact that you are now speaking your story and telling your truth in such a a way that I know is going to help so many other people feel safe. So tell everybody what your podcast is called, where they can find you online and uh, find all the goodness. Uh, A Quiet Divorce. All platforms, Spotify, Apple, you can pretty much find it anywhere. I was a baker before. So my IG is SweetBurgerSF. Sweet underscore burger SF for macarons. (laughs) And I decided to keep everything in one because I'm, I became a baker because I had problems in my marriage Mm -hmm. and then I got divorced. So I really wanted to keep everything together because everything's who I am now. Mm, I love that. I'm not one without the other. Yeah. And I can't stop baking, but yet I have this new life and I want to share my story and- yeah, it's all a it's all one part thing. Of you. It's all part of me. Have you found that people have listened to the podcast and suddenly felt like they had a place to feel safe? Yes. I've had several, many, many people reach out actually saying that they're just now going through divorce or co-parenting or I I'm about to file, you know, I'm just started listening to your podcast and I just feel a little bit better. I don't feel so alone. And that was the whole purpose. And if that meant, you know, exposing myself a little bit and going against what somebody may be in my position because of the Asian culture would do, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. I'm willing to be the example. It's okay. Amen to that girl. Oh. Fuck. Thank you so <laughs> much for being here. You are such a beautiful light. Thank and you. I'm just so grateful that you reached out and that you flew here from San Francisco <laughs> to do this show because it was so freaking worth it. It's important for me. I wanted to come here. And honestly, I wanted to say thank you to you because so for so long, I felt like, you know, our friends stopped talking to us, my friends. And when I messaged you, you messaged right back. It was like 20 minutes. And I never got that kind of, connections so quickly with someone all of my friends kind of left Mm. and it was it's been a while since someone has text back oh so thank you for doing that oh my god I'm gonna cry (laughs) you're welcome and I am I am thankful that you came on to share your story and you can now consider all of my FMLers your new friends and um, someone new that will always text back. I will be on the Facebook. I haven't done that yet, but I will. Yes. I oh my to, God, we will love to have you I there. would want to come here first before I did that. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Thank you, girl. Of course. Thank you. I want to thank Jackie so much for flying out to be here in studio with us. I I'm so blown away by the details of her story and how strong of a woman she is to really continuously choose herself for her amazing boyfriend who you guys didn't see but was in studio with us um, watching. It's it's really absolutely this fairy tale ending out, out of this devastating story that happened to both of them. And... It was really incredible to see both of them choose themselves and choose each other. Um, Please go check out Jackie's stuff so you can continuously hear her tell her story and speak her truth because so much more of that is coming. 
Okay, we are going to take a turn now and jump into some of your FML stories. This one is going to be a little different. We were sent two separate stories from two separate women who happened to be entangled in the same FML moment. Here's number one. As a young child, I dreamed of a fairy tale marriage, and for some reason, I was really, really uh, determined as a young girl to have a marriage that worked. And so, as I grew up, my main desire was to find out how to make a marriage work. And so, I married my college uh, boyfriend. We got married at year seven. He had an affair with a high school student. And I stayed because I had that drive in me to want to be married uh, and make it work and have the best marriage ever. And I didn't want to fail at it. And so um, I just knew we could make it work. He was really kind to me. He had me fooled. And so then we ended up having children after that. We had three babies in less than three years. And then um, he had another affair when the boys were about five, six, and seven. And he had an affair with a person he met at a horse show. He's a horse trainer. And then I stayed because now I have three boys and I've got to keep my family together and I got to create this perfect marriage that I wanted. And this guy was really, my husband was really kind to me. Not only was he kind, he lied really well. I mean, just smooth as silk. And so I stayed with him, wanted to stay with him, did stay with him. And then years later, he left. He finally left. He didn't tell me he was leaving as in he wanted a divorce or there was someone else. He just said he needed time to think. And he moved out and he moved in with his third other woman. And... So for years, he told me there was no other woman, and he kept coming home during lunchtime with our kids. We homeschooled, and so we lived this life. He lived a double life, and I allowed it. I didn't go seek out what he was doing. I wanted to keep my family together. I wanted to keep my boys in our home, and I didn't want to have to share them on the weekends And I just kept our family like it was, and I allowed it to go on. But in the midst of it, I became a better version of me. I learned all kind of wonderful things, and I'm so thankful for what I went through. But his parents enabled him. And so now the the third woman has reached out to me because now he's doing to her what he did with her. And she has also contacted y'all. And so that is my story in a brief, brief, brief three minutes. Thank you. Oh, my God, girl. Um, The continued disrespect to be shown from your husband. Um, And I know a lot of people listening to this are going to say, well, how many times does that have to happen before you leave? So for you to point out the fact that you didn't want to, to break your home up for your boys and that you had had this this dream from the time that you were a little girl of wanting to have that perfect family and perfect marriage, so you were willing to sacrifice your own happiness to try and achieve that, but at what cost? Um, 
Oh, my heart goes out to you. And I, I'm glad that the universe took care of it for you and moved his ass out. And I, I hope you are so much happier now. And I'm so glad that you included in that submission story that you learned so many beautiful things about yourself and that you became a stronger person because of it. Um, and I think that's really, really important. So now we are going to listen to the story submitted by a woman who had an affair with that woman's husband. Hello, my name is Linda Tucker, and I was the other woman in Evie Shaw's marriage. I began an affair with her husband, who was my horse trainer. He was also a well-respected member of their community, a guidance counselor, and a high school basketball coach. I was smitten with him. He told me that his wife was crazy, controlling, and trying to limit his development of his passion and his skills, and that I got him. And he made me believe that we were soulmates and that we were meant to be to each other, went, meant to be with each other. In 2012, he left her for me and we began living together, uh, which we did for the next nine years. I thought he was a great man. I respected the fact that he spent a lot of time with his boys and with Yvette co-parenting in a way that I thought was admirable and very um, amicable between the two of them. I suggested they give workshops on how to be good divorced people. Little did I know that he had essentially turned us into sister wives. He never stopped sleeping with her and she was doing her best to be a good wife so that he would return giving her the marriage that she had worked so hard to build and the family that she was determined to keep together. I was oblivious to the fact that they continued to have a relationship beyond that of co-parents and it would be years before I was to discover that. In 2018, they lost a child to cancer. Shortly thereafter, her husband had an affair on me with a friend and a horse show client, and then another, which both the first one lasted a year and a half, the second one lasted about a year and a half as well, and, is, and now they are engaged. Um, he dated the second one openly, very boldly. Uh, he and I began counseling in the middle of that, he said he was no longer seeing her, asked me to marry him in November of 2020. Only a few weeks later, he took her to family Thanksgiving dinner with his parents. Um, and I discovered that by finding photographs on Facebook. Everything blew up then and his double life was exposed to all and sundry, his parents, his sons, Yvette, Evie, and everyone else. However, this other woman was determined to keep him, as was I, and so began many months of intensifying narcissistic abuse, gaslighting, horrific lies. Some of, some of the abuse did get physical at times, and eventually he left in a really uh, traumatic way in March. However, he did not stop seeing me. Um, we continued to see each other, and he is now engaged to this other woman. Um, I am deeply trauma bonded to this person, and thankfully Evie is helping me to break that trauma bond slowly but surely. Our goal is to educate other women about the dangers of becoming involved with someone who displays signs of narcissistic behavior or traits. This person was diagnosed eventually with narcissistic personality disorder, but our scars are deep. And I'm grateful to Evie for uh, allowing me to share this journey with her and helping to ease the pain of my own. Thank you. Holy shit, y'all. This episode has been a fucking wild one. First of all, I hope 
that both of you ladies send this fucking podcast to every woman that man knows. Sir, big fuck you to you, man. Like, there's, like, nothing more to say. Um, I, I can't even begin to think about the amount of women that have been hurt and scarred by this one individual. Um, also, I want to say I am so deeply sorry about the loss um, of, of the child that took place. That is absolutely devastating. Um, I, and I'm so happy that these two women have put their differences aside and come together to work together on their healing journey. That is fucking amazing. And thank you guys for, for both contacting us and submitting those dual stories. We've never had something like that on this show, but I do know that it happens so often. A lot of our FML stories that get submitted, people say, you know, now the other girl and I are friends um, and we keep in touch. So it happens all the time. And I hope this is a really good example to people of how manipulation can completely change someone's life. And it's really scary. You need to really be diligent about the people that you are letting in and that are close and really being aware of of what's going on in your world. God, I like I feel like I have an emotional hangover from this one episode today. So I am going to leave you all with that. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. If you want more bonus content or access to the private self-love Facebook group where you can Zoom with me every Tuesday and get 10% off all your merch, there is an incredible community of FMLers on there. You can go to patreon.com slash FML Talk. Remember, you can check us out live in studio on YouTube for every episode on youtube.com slash FML Talk. And remember to have a self-love cocktail on me fucking deserve it. I will see you next week, guys. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.